Hello, and welcome to Digital Market Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing today. Today, we're interviewing Sarah Stringer and Tommy Hutt-Hansel about gaming options for brands. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed, And I'm Andrew McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings Season 2. Today, we're joined by Sarah and Tommy to talk about gaming options for brands. Sarah is the EVP of U.S. Media Partnerships at Dentsu and a founding team lead and unofficial second job at Dentsu Gaming. Tommy is a director in the newly launched Dentsu Gaming Solution, and he's in charge of all partnerships focused on all things gaming. Welcome to the show, Sarah and Tommy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Cool. All right. So getting right into it, starting kind of with an easy question, but maybe a hard question. Uh, what is gaming and specifically how are we defining it today versus like 10, 20 years ago? So I can jump in here as someone who was talking about gaming 10 years ago and now feel very old um, all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look, gaming, gaming has been around for a very long time. It's just been sorely ignored by the media industry. Um, so gaming has been everything from, um, I guess back in the day, it was still console AAA titles was incredibly important to the overall ecosystem. Um, you know, obviously as we see, you know, a lot of people have a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings around Game Boys and, you know, the Super Nintendo and all these like really great devices that people spend <laughs> hours and hours with. And so, you know, a lot of people yeah. think of gaming like that. But, you know, the reality is there's also been um, online games for a very long time. Desktop gaming has been very popular with middle-aged women for over 10 years. Like all these, all these things that I think even now we're trying to break down these stereotypes of, you know, it's just teenage boys gaming. Um, has actually been true of the gaming community for a very long time. So when we think about gaming, it's really, um, you know, playful interactions that can be anything from, you know, playing a game online with lots of different people um, in a live environment. So that's where, you know, battle royales like Fortnite, which a lot of people talk about, are incredibly popular. You can have uh, more like one-on-one -on -one games, like role-playing games, where you can essentially go through a universe or a storyline and narrative and kind of go on a, you know, an amazing adventure within a, a, a game um, sort of narrative. Then you go all the way through to mobile games, which a lot of mobile games, the most popular mobile games, are most akin to board games. So, you know, Words with Friends, even Wordle right now, yeah. Wordle is still mm -hmm. a game and it is a core part of gaming community. And that the idea that people are a bit snobby about what counts as a game or not definitely needs to be um, looked into. But there is basically a, a broad <laughs> spectrum. And now you have, I guess, in recent years, um, this sense of competitive gaming and the fact that that has now become a sport in its own right. So there has been a lot of debates over whether or not, you know, esports should be an Olympic sport. But the fact is that we're finding that competitive gaming now is taking on a life of its own as well. So I guess needless to say, as you mentioned, not a simple question to open with. There is a very broad <laughs> spectrum. Um, I think the key takeaways here is that gaming has been big for a long time. Um, I think a lot of brands have been nervous to get into it because immediate thoughts on gaming might be it's violent or it's scary or you can't really control it. But I think now we're seeing more and more people spending time there, that more and more brands are now starting to navigate how they can spend time there in a meaningful way. One thing that you didn't directly address, but we wanted to put kind of a firm boundary on our discussion for today is um, that we're only talking about, you know, like traditional gaming. 
Um, we're not really going to talk about metaverse um, or web 3.0, some topics that are um, very well talked about in the media right now, but we're planning to cover in a later episode in our gaming series, um, but sticking to mostly traditional gaming discussions today. Is that right? We we like to say that gaming is the highway to the metaverse. So they are <laughs> together, but they are not the same. And <laughs> lots of people think that gaming is the metaverse, metaverse is gaming. There's a Venn diagram where they definitely overlap, but they have two very completely separate worlds outside of uh, just gaming and just the metaverse. There's a lot going on there. You could have 10 episodes on Perfect. metaverse and web three. <laughs> We're only going to have one to start, but definitely tune in in a few weeks for, for that one. Um, so next question being, why do or should brands want to get involved in the gaming space? The simplest answer to that is because it's where your audience is spending time. I was on a panel this morning, actually, for a European-based client, and they asked a similar question. And I just said, I mean, with all marketing, it has to come back to what does your audience care about? Where do they spend your time? Where, where do they spend their time? And could your brand have a meaningful interaction with them in that space? And I think the industry talks a lot about, you know, people moving away from, say, traditional broadcast experiences. A lot more people are now spending more time in fully interactive experiences where it's not just a lean back media experience. They're actively present and doing something in a, in a space. Gaming is that. And, you know, if your audience is spending up to, you know, six hours a day, maybe in that space, then you should probably be there and have a meaningful conversation with them there. So it all comes down to audience. And I think to add on to that, your audience is there because gaming is culture. So that's where they're going to find all things culture. So if your brand wants to remain anyway, culturally relevant at the moment, gaming is probably a, a good place to be. It's, it's fashion, it's music, it's, it's everything. And so if you want to reach people in a place where they are cultural, you are being culturally relevant and you're seen as cool in the space, gaming is definitely a place to be. You don't want to be that legacy brand that, writes it off as just the kid in their basement and missing out on an entire millions and billions of people that are playing video games. And a follow-up to that is, you know, if gaming has been pretty big for a long time, why is it such a big piece of conversation for um, the, the media space right now? I have my own personal theory on this, which was um, esports became a very hot topic a couple of years ago. And I think a lot of brands were very comfortable spending a lot of money in sports sponsorships, you know, particularly within the US, mm -hmm. people love spending money on football, they love spending money on basketball, like, yeah. sure, let's, let's spend a ton of money being in a very brand heavy environment. And all of a sudden, that spend was becoming less and less effective at speaking to a younger and younger audience. And, you know, a lot of growth for a number of brands comes from staying relevant to a younger audience. And when you start to peel back the layers as to where that audience was going, it wasn't necessarily spending time in traditional broadcast sport. It was spending time in gaming and even this sense of broadcast uh, competitive gaming in esports. So I think that a lot of brands started to sit up and take notice when some of the traditional areas they felt comfortable with were diminishing like their appeal to a younger audience. So I think that is where, for me, more conversations started coming from esports, which then led to a broader discussion on gaming. And I think to Tommy's earlier point, we're now seeing this weird pivot that it's going straight to metaverse. 
So it's like esports was the cool thing to talk about. And then we were like, hang on a minute, gaming's really big. <laughs> now everyone's like, oh, shall I have an NFT? Shall I be in Metaverse? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a minute. Again, let's have a broader conversation around gaming because that is doable. And now, and there's a ton of people doing it. Yeah, I think also... Sounds like a walk before you run scenario. Yes. I, I think also on top of that, uh, social media has just made what made people realize how much you can do and be in that gaming space. You know, you have your esports teams, but then you have the extension to lifestyle brands that are, you know, really cool and doing collabor collaborations with like the luxury and car brands of the world. And people are seeing that and going, wow, you can get there from video games so it's just a i think social media has helped to let people see like you can do a lot more um you, gaming is a profession for a lot of people at this point and you don't just only have to be an, a pro esports player you can be an influencer in the space you can do a lot in in the gaming space uh, it's just becoming more and more uh prevalent and obvious to to the folks that didn't know about it 10 20 years ago i'm sure it's definitely a, a factor too that we're heading into year three of a global pandemic and a lot of people are are using gaming spaces for one of their main modes of social connection as well so during the pandemic um there was a recent report that showed that older lapsed audiences came back into gaming so there is a lot mm. of conversation right now around you know how do you speak to gen z and you know gen z is gaming Again, the reality, I, I come from a background where I worked on a lot of toy brands, on a lot of like movie and home entertainment brands. Um, and we would always have, gaming was always the core component as to how we would speak to younger audiences. So that is not new. And if anyone listening has worked in the entertainment industry for a long time, you have also probably got very good legacy experience now in gaming because where kids would go would be, you know, I'm going to Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon. I'm playing free to play games mm -hmm. on their on their websites. Like this has been available for a long time. And then it ported over to app experiences for, you know, that hand me down iPad. But what we saw during the pandemic was this sense that, you know, as people couldn't leave the house, they were spending obviously more time in gaming, but lapsed older gamers were coming back to gaming as well. So there was an increase in 55 plus coming in back into gaming and actually spending more time there. So again, I think the industry needs to reassess its own bias and expectation around gamers because older people are there too. And we can't just write mm. it off just as like a young person's game. That's a, a really important point. Are there any differences um, that you could point out about the audiences or demographics or consumer behavior um, by like the types of games um, that, different, that different consumers are um, more involved in? Yeah, uh, there's, uh, so it's really interesting. So not just older gamers, but we're seeing a lot of, uh, more diverse gamers playing a lot of different, um, diverse games and games that are represented of them, although there are not a lot. And that is, uh, an issue in some of the, the industry that a lot of the industry is working towards. But we see like 50, almost 50% of gamers are female. Um, more than 50% identify as, uh, not white. Um, there's huge communities of, uh, minority and um, other uh, disenfranchised BIPOC folks that are building huge communities and uh, playing together. Um, Apex Legends just uh, has a non-binary non character, which might not sound like a uh, like a big thing, but that is the one and only non-binary character in video games at the moment. So that's a huge win for that community, but there's a long way to go for how uh, it's represented in, in the space. So it, it, it's all about communities and like 
like again it's not just a white kid in a basement playing video games everyone plays video games and they all they all play they all play different games sounds like having some sort of assessment as to where your audience is as a brand uh, would be pretty important heading into getting involved absolutely i mean you know you find that even around different devices um say there is a female heavy um, older skew on mobile games overall, but mobile is by far and away the the most scaled, easiest way to get into gaming, and that is where the most money is in in the entire gaming industry is actually through mobile game. Um, and again, it kind of gets overlooked because it's probably the easiest way in, and it's viewed as casual gaming, which is not seen as like the most serious the most serious way in. Um, we do still find that streaming platforms, for instance, like Twitch, do still have a more heavy male skew and they are, it is a sort of younger male audience. And then when you get into an esports audience, it gets even younger and even more male. So, mm. you know, when assessing where you should be in gaming, you know, you really, it, you really can cover any audience, but it is worth definitely taking the time to understand what formats and types of games appeal to the audience you're looking to connect with because just going into any type of gaming experience isn't necessarily going to hit the valuable audience that you want. Good to know. So now that we've had a great conversation around why brands should care about gaming and, and that sort of thing, how do they actually start getting involved? Like what are the options and ways that brands have to join the, the gaming gaming trend? Yeah. Uh, we at Dentu Gaming have actually built out a bit of a spectrum that goes from the the more advertising, more traditional uh, type of ways that brands are used to, you know, it could be running during an esports, running a commercial on TV during an esports tournament, or, um, you know, being on a website that's endemic to gaming, all the way on the other side of the spectrum to building your own game. And is that right for your brand? Chances are probably not because it doesn't work very well for brands unless they are really dedicated <laughs> to the space. Um, but you can get your brand to that to that space. And there's a whole spectrum right. in the middle that involves things like streaming, esports, in-game integrations into things like Fortnite and Roblox and uh, so much more. So there's lots of ways that um, brands can get into gaming that isn't just, I have to build my own video game. And sometimes uh, people get caught up in that well, I have to be in the video game. You don't have to be in the video game. You could be around the video game and you could support the community. You could bring a benefit to the game without actually forcing your brand into the game. A lot of the time, forcing your brand into the game is actually detrimental to you and your brand and you're kind of ruining the experience of that gamer. So it's always important to remember, like, right. you don't want to ruin their experience. You want to enhance it. Good advice. Maybe there are some tangible examples that we can call out for like brands involved in different points in the spectrum. Like immediately what comes to mind for me uh, when you talk about a brand creating their own game is Kim Kardashian's like Hollywood game. Um, <laughs> but uh, just some some tangible ways that different brands have gotten involved or examples. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the first work that I did when I joined the the US team, we created a, a game show on Twitch um, with streamers and it was for a confectionery brand. And it was just fun and silly and didn't take itself too seriously. And we encouraged different streamers who hadn't necessarily had like crossover before to be in the same live stream and then playing different completely weird games against each other. And then they would have to do these weird kind of like dares. It was kind of like a, 
um, Wheel of Fortune kind of like truth or dare scenario. And it was just fun, entertaining content. And it was nice because, you know, the confectionery category is, you know, it is a bit frivolous. You don't need it. You choose it. You want it. You have right. a craving for it. So it was the it was a perfect moment as well because, you know, people snack during gaming. It was actually, you have to find the right ways in, but there are so many different ways in. Um, so that was really fun. A recent example, again, also um, from Twitch that has just won an award um, for our PNG client is um, it's a mini game that, uh, that people can play because streamers are, are streaming for maybe a few hours in a, in a sitting. So it's a long time to obviously be at your computer and live on camera and you need a bathroom break sometimes. And the problem is, is that if you end your stream to go on a bathroom break, you're going to lose potentially thousands of people watching at that time. And then you have to, you know, re-engage that audience if you decide to come back. So they created a mini game called Juice Destroyer, which is you as the shaman bear. And uh, there are little flying toilet papers and the streamer can go off to the bathroom. <laughs> and during the time that the streamer goes off to the bathroom, the entire community can play a mini game where then they get ranked in that chat as to how well everyone performed in that game. And it is genuinely just a fun experience. And it added something. It was like, own the bathroom break. Because guess what? I mean, as someone who might spend six hours then playing Witcher 3 and then being like, I haven't drunk anything or gone to the bathroom and I probably should. <laughs> there is definitely a, a brand moment there to be had if you're a toilet paper brand. Um, so, you know... <laughs> You may not think toilet paper is the first thing that you would think of for a gaming community, but if you if you really think about your audience and a unique way that you can help serve them, it was actually a really popular and continues to be a very popular way for a brand for a brand to interact. So there are some really nice examples across the network of, of what people have done. We also have like, you know, in-game ads which essentially look like digital out of home within a game. Um and the key thing to note here is that your expectation of what that is delivering should be different. It is like a piece of out of home. You should view that as a way, as an impression, but you shouldn't be expecting someone to immediately click on an ad experience to take them out of that game experience because that would be a pretty bad media experience for a gamer in the moment. What you want to be is someone who is there, who is supporting a community, who's supporting a game that you love, that maybe is a free to play. Um, and that ad being there helps facilitate you getting free access to that. And you will feel good about that brand because of it. So there are a lot of turnkey ways um, that brands can can get involved. I think it's really just about understanding what do you want to add to that experience and what is maybe something creative or fun that you can do. And if you can't do something creative and fun, how can you just kind of financially support the people that this community cares about and just show up and be consistent with it? Because, you know, if you if you love a really, you know, small streamer and you are someone who is spending money with them consistently, the community is really going to care about you for that. And I think we see a very similar trend in podcasting. You know, I know we're obviously on a podcast now, but, you know, I'm sure we all have a lot of favorite podcasts that are sponsored by particular brands that show up every single episode. And you associate those brands now with those personalities that you love. And it's very similar um, to what we see around the gaming community and the types of games that people enjoy as well. Could you talk a little bit about how brand involvement is managed in the gaming space? So um, my perception um, is like, you know, unlike, say, search engine marketing, where you have a really central platform like, like Google Ads, it feels like the world of gaming has um, like no 
centrally established management platform. Is that is that a true um, assessment, or how do brands actually like get involved in managing um, their their involvement in gaming today? Yeah, I uh, I would say it's true. There is not a centrally managed platform. All of the game like there's no. Well, Google does exist in the gaming space and so does Meta, but in that, like, you know, Google is the biggest of the search. There's no one publisher that is that, that monster, you know, there's Epic who makes Fortnite, but a lot of people don't play Fortnite. A lot of people do. There's Activision that, that makes Call of Duty. There's all these different games and there's no one uh, centralized way. So at the moment, it is a, a bit of a, a hand-holding managed service way of uh, managing the way a brand gets in, uh, gets in and, and does the different things in games. And because of how vastly different the ecosystem is, there's lots of different areas in gaming that if you're working with Activision on Call of Duty and being in the game, that is going to be a completely different partner than if you're working with Twitch surrounding the game compared to, you know, an esports organization that plays the game. You have to manage a lot of different uh, folks. So there is a, a fair amount of handholding at the moment as it relates to how brands um, are in gaming and how, you know, us as an agency can help them. I would view it, to, to build on Tommy's point, I would view it more akin to, say, uh, production houses for TV studios or movie studios. Mm. You have these sort of, you know, walled IP gardens amongst them, but it's different from the digital world where, I mean, again, they obviously have very scaled walled gardens as well, but they just have more stuff in the walled garden. I mean, arguably, that's where Metaverse is meant to take us, to a place where there, it is a borderless gaming environment. But based on the business of gaming i think we're a long way off a borderless gaming ecosystem that's helpful helpful for someone who wants to get involved in the space to know that it is it's a big endeavor to take on and um it'll it'll take a, a good amount of management oversight uh one uh it is definitely a big endeavor but one thing to remember is you can there's definitely ways to test and dip your toes in without having to go all in not uh the the recommendation um we usually have is you don't uh, when we go back to that spectrum you pick the areas of the spectrum that make sense to you and do those right and then grow so uh you don't have to be in every video game or cover every streamer and be everywhere at once it's making sure it works for you and then building that credibility. Because also if you're a brand that just comes in and dumps a ton of money into the space, but really doesn't understand it or doesn't feel like they care, gamers are going to know that and, and not want you to be part of it. So it's all about building that credibility and doing it slowly, quickly, if that makes sense, you know, just <laughs> slowly, quickly doing it fast, but, and, but expanding as, after you're learning and, and becoming more and more credible in the space. Maybe authentically is a good word. Sure. Maybe authentically. Slowly, <laughs> quickly, authentically, either one. <laughs> so we've had a lot of discussions about how uh, brands can get involved within within gaming. Uh, one thing that we definitely want to bring up from the other side of the perspective is brand safety and how this can be potentially a concern for brands. And what what are your thoughts on this? Is this a concern that the brand should have? How to approach it? Again, just kind of casting a wide net with my question here. Yeah, I mean, definitely every brand should be concerned about brand safety in any media experience they go in. Um, there are obviously media experiences that are more controlled than, than others. So aligning yourself to right. a particular title where you know, you know, all the ins and outs of that title is relatively protected. Like how your brand shows up is probably going to be pretty controlled by the developing, like the developer community within that game. 
um, you have to just be comfortable with the narrative and the mechanics of that game. So Tommy's and the team have done a lot of work around, um, you know, the the types of comfort levels that brands need to have around the different types of titles you would go into. Like if real world violence isn't something that you feel comfortable with, which I would say the majority of brands don't feel comfortable with and for good reason, then don't show up in a game where, you know, it might be, you know, wartime reenactment and, you know, there may be red blood scenes versus what we call sort of like fantasy violence, which might be aliens or a cartoon-esque, you know, sort of like like visual, um, uh, what's the word, like visual style of the game, which then kind of, you know, allows for that... um, that break from reality. It doesn't feel like realistic violence. It's kind of like fun. There's no, you know, blood, you know, even if you look at something like Pokemon Go, your Pokemon don't ever die. They just faint. And then you can revive them Mm. kind of like, oh, you know, you feel better now. Like there are, there are nice ways that you can then, you know, re-engage. So you don't feel like the sense of, you know, it it feels violent and, and not good. That is an active conversation you need to have with your brands. Like different brands do have different comfort levels. Some brands are totally fine to go into a, um, a franchise like Call of Duty, and that is that doesn't cause them any issue. Other brands may choose that, you know, uh, a building game like um, you know Animal Crossing, where you get to you know build an island and design it. You can invite friends over. You can have little parties. Like that is a much nicer way to to build your community and have a brand experience. So. It's really about having an open conversation about your audience, what types of titles do your audience choose to spend time in, and then how appropriate is it for your brand to be in that environment and vice versa, how appropriate is the narrative and game mechanics of that title for you to align with. Um, The good news is, is there are so many games out there. And, you know, whenever I've sat on a gaming panel and people just ask, like, what are you playing at the moment? I've always been so surprised at just such a broad spectrum of titles that I've <laughs> never heard of that people are really interested in. And, you know, there's just so many different places that you can go into. So, you know, have a perspective, have a play around, see titles that you feel comfortable with. And then, you know, speak to your legal team, speak to whoever you need to, to just stress test, you know, if that's going to be okay for your brand and then, you know, give it a try. The other thing just to note around gaming um, and brand safety is then just some of the, the verbal playing of games that if you are potentially mm-hmm. playing in a, in a live environment where, you know, you have a headset on and you can speak live to other players in an experience, you don't, you can't control what someone is going to say to you in that experience. And I think, you know, this is the exact same comfort level that, people have around a um, a board in social media. Someone might might say something really horrible to you and you have to have, you know, a moderator or, or something there to step in. Now, anything within a broadcast environment that you might have for the, say, like, you know, uh, YouTube gaming or for a Twitch, um, there are moderators in place. They have safety mechanisms in place around branding. Plus, you're going to work with a, with a streamer who is a professional and is not going to have tolerate that kind of conversation or say anything unruly your only issue is going to be that there is still some negative sentiment just in the entire gaming community um on one-to-one play and someone may say something that is not great and your brand may be present on screen but that is not necessarily something that you can control in the same way that you can't control if someone leaves a negative comment whilst a live stream is going on potentially on social media so 
these are just things that you have to have an open conversation about and understand that there are risks involved, but you just need to have a strategy around how you handle that in the moment. Is there, um, beyond just the immediate titles that brands get involved with, is there any uh, advertiser concern around the partners and platforms um, that they're they're investing in? I'm, I'm thinking about some of the stories in the media over the last year around um, sexual harassment or employee misconduct at, at different gaming companies. Um, is there some additional measures of selection that brands are putting in place for brand safety on, on that side of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in my, in like my role in partnerships, this is something that we have, you know, broad conversations around. I mean, we are currently speaking to a podcasting platform around some of their own issues around content suitability and personalities um, there you know, same that we have around obviously large social networks and same, unfortunately, around, um, I think what we, we genuinely see in the, the gaming universe, which is, you know, how do we accelerate the level of diversity and inclusion within the actual game studios themselves? Um, there are some, some pretty crazy stats actually around um, that I can just quickly call upon um, where in terms of the actual game developers themselves, 71% of game developers identify as men, while only 24% are women and 3% are non-binary. And when it comes to race and ethnicity, just 2% of developers are black, while 69% identify as white. So our issue here is a sense of um, a monoculture in some of these like developer platforms that are being addressed openly now by um, the industry because they identify that having some sort of monoculture isn't helpful. It leads to negative um, environments and practices and it really holds back innovation and a sense of, you know, more voices means probably better business results because you're appealing to more people. So it is something that the industry is actively aware of. And I do think that brands have a responsibility to come into the gaming space with their eyes open to knowing that their brand dollars can make a difference for up and coming studios, for up and coming talent, and really putting pressure to say, we wanna work with diverse talent in this space and we want to allow for more access to our brand dollars to people who have been underrepresented in the industry for a while. So um, I think there is you know, continued work to be done there. I don't think it's unfortunately going to be an overnight solve, but I do think as a an industry that we have to go in with our eyes open and push for change because it's needed. It's bad to see that it's happening, but it's good to see that people are shining a light on it. So you have a lot of different, a lot of different things, toxic work things that are happening out there that were going unchecked or uncalled on for years and now people are feel, feeling more empowered to actually like shine a light on it. So at, at the very least it's coming to light and they're being forced to change. You've seen, we've seen some partners that are, have some major overhauls because of it. So obviously not great that it happened, but great that it's people are feeling empowered enough to call upon it, protest, protest it and force that change. Well said. So how should advertisers be thinking about their brand's depiction in the gaming space? Um, we're thinking of examples around like, skins for a luxury car company within Rocket League and um, costs about the same as much or the same as like a very average uh, 
car. So I think the example that we're thinking of is like a McLaren and an F-150. Um, in the real world, that feels like two very different things. But in the gaming world, is it? Is it? Is it not? I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. I mean, I think from that luxury example specifically, it's kind of about accessibility and just making your product more accessible to people at the moment. Um, so yes, mm -hmm. I, you're 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 going to be able to drive a McLaren for a dollar fifty or however much it is in <laughs> in Roblox or wherever it is. Um, but I think it's good for brands that to to do that because they're expanding their base, they're expanding their reach, and they're also giving people like kind of the opportunity to strive to maybe buy that one day so not a i personally have never sat in a ferrari but i can drive one in Fortnite and then go <laughs> wow that's really cool i'd love to have a ferrari so maybe it, it is a way to yeah. just broaden and make more people excited and get hyped for your brand uh specifically in that luxury space i think where you know most people don't interact with those brands unless you're buying very specific magazines or going into very specific stores and it's just broadening that reach to say, hey, everyone can en enjoy this. And it's a new revenue stream for those luxury brands that go, hey, $1.50 is not $50,000, but $50,000.50s adds up, so. Fair enough. And then, so kind of going off of that luxury versus like a real world, ex world example, is there a heightened value of normalcy within the gaming space versus like a more accurate depiction of real world luxury? That's kind of, when we're doing our, our research for the episode, something we kind of came across and curious to get your thoughts on that. Could you expound on the question when you say normalcy? What do you mean? Sorry. Yeah. So one of the, one of the folks we were talking to was mentioning that there's a, a game where you can like basically be a truck driver or like, I think about like the Sims or like farm bill or things like that, which are like very like mundane, like normal, not like fantasy sort of tasks. Right. Um, so that, that was something that was curious for us or something we were curious about. I think, I mean, it's a, it's a really good point. I know that there are, yeah, there are games where you basically, you know, you go around and sort of live the life of someone else, but it's actually very just normal, total day to day. As you say, it's not like, you know, Grand Theft Auto where you're just like doing anything you want in the real world. It's like, you're actually sort of like going to work or I've just popped off to a, you know, yeah. a car dealership in a, in a game. And you're like, really? Like, okay, you could do anything, but, um, I mean, again, it comes back to this, um, this sense of, you know, people kind of like, like repetitive things. They like comfort. Like, I think we saw this again with Animal Crossing, the idea that people were getting together socially in a game just to spend time with each other when they couldn't. Um, and there are a lot of games, particularly in mobile, which are serving people. You are a waitress and you serve, you know, you serve people, you clean up their table. You know, I guess it's kind of like Tapper back in the day. Like you're just throwing beers down the you know, down the bar and trying to serve <laughs> as many people as possible. Um, I think this idea that you can sort of like gamify or experience anything is um, maybe it's a, a comfort thing. I mean, the thing that's different about gaming to other media experiences is a level of joy and positivity that comes from play. I mean, even arguably when it's, you know, pretty frantic and you're probably, you know, in a competitive environment and you're kind of, you know, really hoping to win and so forth. But you know, there are a lot of just like one-to-one -one games that you play and it is just genuinely for to add a little lift to your day and, you know, a little micro leisure moment. Um, and it's, it is very different from say the, you know, 10 seconds or 30 seconds or a couple of minutes you spend 
scrolling through social media and potentially feeling a bit weird or you're benchmarking yourself against other people or you come across a negative news story you know when you're in a game it's something fun it's a moment of levity and it's just like a little moment of joy kind of irrespective of how mundane maybe the tasks that you're doing within it so i think it's just really this sense of comfort for people and a sense of like i'm having a little break from whatever i'm doing and it's just going to bring me a little moment of joy regardless of how mundane that moment might be and also you know who are we to judge what people <laughs> choose to do for fun <laughs> Maybe it is just being a truck exactly. driver on the side. Who cares? If it brings you joy, there's probably a game for it. I, I, I wonder how many people have become pilots just due to flight simulator. Like, did that, that, did that set off a bunch of people's careers? Is yep. it a way to try new things without having to uh, go to school for a, a bunch of years to be a pilot and be like, hey, maybe I do want to do this. Uh, who knows? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And so I think kind of like tying back to our question of like, normalcy versus real world and luxury and accurate depiction. I think the the spark of joy and then to your point, like who knows where it's going to lead sort of, uh, it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Like it's, it's not something that we get to talk about a whole lot in marketing, but it's, it's kind of a cool thing. So our next question, uh, how should ba- brands be thinking about measuring success within gaming? Like, are there any KPIs that they're looking at? Um, does this vary across platforms? Like down to the, the, the less joyful side of marketing into the numbers that we all uh, we all care about. So kind of opening up um, from that perspective. I think, you know, brand list studies always help around this sense of, you know, is your brand now being um, associated with a positive moment in, in gaming? The thing that is unique, I think, from other media experiences that you might be planning against is this idea of taking you out of that experience. Like, click on this to land on this or sign up for this. <laughs> It's probably yeah. not going to happen in a in a gaming environment per se. Like, you know, if you are in an in-game ad, the idea that you would then click on, say, a um, a virtual billboard and it would take you out of that experience would be viewed as negative. That would actually have the opposite effect of what you'd probably be hoping for. Um, you know, even, you know, your your interactivity and engagement rate, if you do build maybe a skin, like how many downloads, how many people chose to buy it, how many people use it frequently, like how much time are they spending with your brand if it is wrapped on a character or it's something they can interact with. So um, there are nuances around how you show up in games. Therefore, there will be nuances around how we measure it. That said, there are so many scaled platforms that you probably spend money with right now that you can just pivot and tweak into um, gaming context and still measure it the same way that you would. So, you know, there is live streaming capabilities on Twitter and you can use the same, um, measurement that you would use there. Meta and Facebook gaming, you can still, you know, there are live streams there. You can also just make sure you're surrounding that type of content. So again, it's kind of audience affinity targeting. So again, you can still use that type of measurement there too. Um, programmatically you can buy, um, across different in-app experiences as well. Um, so again, you would look at your, your programmatic, um, KPIs and, and still look at those that way. But I do think the sense of brand association, positive brand uplift, um, increase in brand preference are things that you should look at in gaming because the, the gaming audience is very attuned to the types of brands that sort of support this environment and offer them free services or extra value. Um, so I do think that that is slightly nuanced, um, around how you would view success versus other metrics, which is, um, you know, which is really around like site visits and immediate conversion or or what have you. It's, 
it's less likely to come from some of the the gaming formats that that you might dabble with. Yeah, so a quick plug for our own proprietary research, the the attention economy in 2022, we will be working with some of the uh, biggest gaming partners out there to identify how uh, consumers, gamers, viewers on Twitch, viewers uh, across the internet are um, paying attention to ads in the gaming space. And we will be coming up with some cool uh, research that'll be coming out later this year. Fantastic. Cool. So closing out our episode, uh, what are the key takeaways that you want brands and marketers to walk away with after listening? Definitely consider gaming as part of your media mix. Look into your audience and understand what games are relevant to them and start testing. It shouldn't be that scary for you. And also play a couple of games yourself. Do some research, (laughs) find out what titles are most important to your audience and play them. The likelihood is they're probably free to you. You can have a little play around, see the mechanics around it. Why do they choose to spend their time there? And then work out how your brand could effectively be there. But definitely get involved. Just download that game. Try it out. Even if you don't have time in your spare time, guess what? This is part of work. Spend an hour (laughs) of your work day playing a game because it's probably worth it. Uh, Just dittoing what Sarah said. Play games. They're fun. Get involved you'll probably find you you love it and you'll get why everyone else does and you'll get and you'll be smarter about how your brand can get in there because once you start getting in there and playing it yourself you'll see what we mean when we say don't force your brand into a video game because it'll ruin it and you'll think about how you can be better as a marketer in doing so very cool well thank you thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise um we really do appreciate it thank you this was really fun We'll come back whenever you want. We love this topic. (laughs) Talk about games all day. (laughs) All day. Maybe we should do one where we're actually like playing the games together, like really get into like... (gasps) We should do that. You know what? We should do a live stream (laughs) maybe of us playing um, Among Us and we can can all run around a spaceship and work out who the murderer is. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot of fun. We should definitely do that. Very cool. That brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Market Musings. If you have an idea for a 2022 season episode, we'd love to hear it. Uh, just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at markleinc.com. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find our show. And uh, please be sure to tell a friend. This episode was produced by Merkle with sound and editing done by Craig Zagurski. Uh, our team includes copywriting by Melissa Riley, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, Website support by Ten Lonsack and social media and promotion by Gina Eustrop and Andrea Ratner. Tune in next time as we continue our gaming series with an episode on esports. And until then, I'm Andrew McCartney and uh, signing off for Guy as well. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>